name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, I think we need to give Deacon Gary an applause. It's always exciting. Since Father John Creo uh, is not here, I'll share a funny story with you about this. He practiced that gospel text over and over again, got every name down exactly right. And when he came to Zerubbabel, he said, Zerubbabel. <laughs> That'll ruin that text for you for the rest of your life. But it's ruined for me, so get over it. Zerubbabel. <laughs> it was great. There's, the, the names are so unfamiliar with us that we have to really got to get them in text, in the text, so it's very beautiful. So why do we read this text? Why do all those names appear? Because uh, it was very clear to the apostles, and especially to St. Matthew, that this was an indication and a proof that Christ came in the flesh. That this wasn't just God who appeared out of nothing into some time in the world. He actually came through a genealogy. He came in the flesh. But more than that, he came into every condition. You know, this isn't, this isn't an all-star group. <laughs> when you read all the names, you've got people that sin. You've got bad, you got bad, bad kings. You've got a, a king who was the icon of Christ who did some of the worst things that could be done. And his son that was a part of the inheritance was born through a woman that he had illicit relationships with. What is this? He came into every condition. We have to understand that. He didn't come into a world that was perfect. He came to a fallen world and he entered into the fallenness. It's so important for us to understand this. Because that's kind of where sometimes we land. We land in this place where, well, it's just too hard. This world's too hard. My life is too difficult to overcome my sins and, and my temptations. It's just too hard. God came into that place, into your place, where you are, where you are now. And he understands it. He gets it. It's so important that we understand that God never distances himself from us. Never. He enters every condition we have. The problem is sometimes we distance ourselves from him. But he never distances himself from us. So let's take a look at a few examples and see how they may relate to us. We are, by the grace of God, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve and grafted into the righteous stock of Abraham, sons and daughters of the Most High God. That should be enough, <laughs> right? All right, I'm a son and a daughter of God, the creator of the universe, who loves me and cares for me and died for my salvation. We should keep that in the front of our minds and be eternally grateful. Gratitude for that especially, that I'm a son and daughter of God 
who cares for me, protects me, guides me, leads me unto my salvation. This is so important for us. Gratitude, that great virtue that we need to cultivate. It's, it's not just about being thankful for this and that. It's actually having a heart of gratitude so that whatever comes my way, I have a spirit of thanksgiving for it. I kind of lean into that place where God comes to me in every circumstance, and I have gratitude for that. We need to cultivate gratitude. It's so important. It's, it's a, not a difficult virtue. You know, if I told you, okay, you need to fast very strictly for 40 days and do 100 prostrations every day, or you have a choice, you can just be grateful. Those are two very powerful ascetic practices. Gratitude. To just be thankful. Every morning, get up and thank God for, for five things. That's was told to me to do. Five things every morning. Five things. That's it. I've encouraged some people that were struggling to, to have a Thanksgiving journal. And when you have trouble, read it. Thankful heart, that gratitude is such an important virtue for us to cultivate. And first, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God, uh, uh, of sons and daughters of Adam and uh, grafted into the seed of Abraham, but so critical for us to understand the importance of being grateful. So, let's take a look at Joseph. The, uh, the son of Jacob, who, was, who took on a yoke of slavery. Joseph, being kind of the promised son, uh, was uh, uh, approached by his brothers with jealousy and was sold into Egypt. So he lived in slavery. He lived under a yoke, a heavy yoke. Delivered from that yoke and actually became the savior of the nation. But living under a yoke, you know, we find ourselves, each of us, under some burden. Some yoke that, that, that's just around us. It may be temporary. It may have been there a long time. It may be there forever. We don't know. But we all have a yoke. We all have a burden to bear. And, and the struggle with a yoke is it gets really, really heavy when you carry it all by yourself. That's where it gets difficult. This is so heavy. This is so hard. And it begins to bury you. You fall to despair. You fall to anxiety when you bear the yoke alone. But the Lord said something very powerful in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
when you take your yoke to Christ, he will be with you and carry it with you. He just doesn't come and pat you on the back. Keep up the good work. Work harder. No, he comes and grabs you and walks with you and carries the burden with you. This is our God. This is what he does. That's why when we carry something heavy and we feel overburdened, we need to take it immediately to God. Immediately to God. It's so critical for us to understand how much he wants to help us carry our loads. So do you feel a little burdened today? You know where to take it. And you'll find rest. You'll find the presence of God. You'll find that, that one that lifts and carries, helps us bear that burden uh, in this life and in it a bit. And this is, we'll find a little bit in this. Even in that burden, when we begin to begin, when we begin to know that Christ is helping us, we feel joy, even in carrying the burden. So, that yoke of, of Joseph, may that yoke that we carry be helped by Christ as Christ, as the Lord helped Joseph. So, we come to David, the great king, but also a great sinner. And a king that followed him was Manasseh, whose father was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the great kings of Israel, and Manasseh came and destroyed everything he did. Made it worse, like much worse. But Manasseh repented at the end of his life. He's the beautiful prayer. When you come to Great Compline, there's a prayer of Manasseh. And it's a prayer of his repentance. Uh, it's a very beautiful prayer. But we see that God understands our fallenness, our sinfulness. And he's given us an incredible uh, bridge to happiness, to relief. You know what that bridge is? It's actually very simple. Repentance. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn back to God. So that's what we see in both David and Manasseh. We see two men who sinned greatly, but turned in repentance to God. This is a great gift God has given to us, to just simply repent and turn away from our sin and be forgiven, be strengthened to do better, be healed in that repentance. You know, it's, it's very important for us to understand that our sin is shameful. I'm pausing there for a reason. When we sin, it's, we're ashamed of it, and we should be ashamed of it. But you know where that shame needs to go? To Christ in repentance. Lord, forgive me. I have sinned against you. I'm, I, I'm saddened that I have done this, that, that I have offended you, that I haven't walked according to the way you, you want me to walk. I haven't been thankful for the sacrifice you've given to me and I've sinned. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And you know what that gets? The grace of God. God gives grace to that, that penitent, that contrite heart, that broken heart. God brings grace to it. 
And what's God do to that heart? He lifts it up and he purifies it. He sanctifies it. You see what a great gift we have? You know, we hear it in Psalm 50. You know, cleanse me from my sins. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sins. Uh, and relieve the burden within me. Relieve the burden. We, we have to understand this great gift God's given to us and use it constantly. When you sin, it's very important to wait a week before you repent. Nobody heard that. You're not paying attention. When you sin, you need to wait a week before you repent. No. When you sin, you need to repent immediately. Right there. God, forgive me. Please help me. Please help me. So, that beautiful forgiveness we have. And then we have uh, the holy youths in the fire and Daniel the prophet who lived in a foreign land and had to hold on to their faith. You feel like sometimes you're in a foreign land and you have to hold on to your faith? <laughs> wow, we look out there and you go, my goodness, things are just turning upside down and backwards. And even those things that we know and hold dear to our heart as Christian people are somehow now, now even being called, called evil. So how is this getting twisted? So we as the youths, we're going to walk through fire. We're going to walk around lions, right? Like Daniel. So we have to understand it's so critical for us to hold firm that which we've been given by God in the church. Okay. In, in the church is guided and protected this truth. And we need to hold on to that with everything we have and, and, and not, re, not relent in that. So I'm, I'm just encouraging you to, to understand that the church, as St. As Paul says to Timothy, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. When you walk in, you can feel it in here. It's palatable. It's present. We need to live in it. And, and you, we pray in that truth. We, we walk in that truth. We, we commune to, with each other in that truth. So, I encourage you to stand firm in that truth and have so much confidence in the church that has held this truth for 2,000 years. Uh, finally, um, our Christ. You know, I've been so very impressed with these words in the liturgy. Of what did Jesus do? Because, you know, we, we all have, we're all broken somewhere, right? We're all hurting somewhere. There's pain somewhere in our life, in the life of people we love, in the life of friends, wherever that pain is. And every time I say these words in the liturgy, I am so grateful that God is this kind of God because he doesn't step back from these moments in our lives. He steps into them. 
when you hear the words, take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Drink of this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you and for many. Our God, beloved, is a God who comes into those circumstances, those broken circumstances, those difficult circumstances, and stands with us. So we can stand. Who stands and supports us, becomes that one who lifts us up and allows us to bear that we, what we are to bear to his glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.